boy, oh boy, oh boy. Okay, listen, we may be a couple of minutes late, but that is because I was getting the scoop on exactly which coins Elon Musk is adding to Twitter. So we're going to be looking at which coins Elon Musk is adding to Twitter as the new crypto coins of Twitter. I'm going to show you why the market's pumping, and then we're going to decide whether it's going to continue pumping. And let me give you a clue. I think the answer is yes. And then we've got an, F, an SBF FTX update for you. And part of that SBF FTX update is a couple of interviews that, interviews that were done. Then we're going to look at BitBoy and a warning that I gave BitBoy a few days ago and how that warning has come back to possibly bite him in the ass. And then the last thing that we're going to do, or the last thing that we're going to talk about on the show is the favorite altcoin picks of all the people that work at Banta. I asked them this morning, which five coins would you buy if you're buying the coins now? And what we're going to do is we're going to look at which coins each person that Banta said. So listen, I was late, but the amount of alpha in the show is going to make it all out to you. Let's do it. Get the fuck out of bed, bitch. Go. Wakey, 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 rise and shine. And as Rayon Clark says, destroy that like button. Destroy, destroy that like button. Because this show is going to be the highest alpha show that I think we've ever made. And if that if it's the highest alpha show that we've ever made, chances are it could be one of the highest alpha shows that anybody on the internet has made ever. So it's going to be a huge, huge, huge show. And also at the end of the show, I'm going to do something amazing. So what I'm going to do at the end of the show is the following. If you have a Bybit account, listen up and listen carefully, right? So I have three boxes here. I have box one. Hold on, let's see. Can you guys see box one over there? I have box two and I have box three. So I don't know what's in these boxes. I, here they are. These are the boxes. I have no idea what's in these boxes. But what's going to happen is at the end of the show, if you've got a Bybit account and you've got more than $250 in that Bybit account, I'm going to open up those boxes and whatever's inside the box is yours. It could be $1. It could be a ticket to the World Cup finals. It could be $50,000. It could be $5,000. I have no idea what's in the box. Haven't seen it. Don't know. These boxes were handed to me a few minutes ago and I haven't had a chance to look inside. So what you're going to do is you guys as the community are going to pick the box and I'm just going to open the box and we're going to give it to, to one lucky winner. And we're going to do that every single day from now until Christmas. So there's 20 days left until Christmas. We're going to take 20 people in the community that have Bybit accounts with over $250 in them. And you guys are going to decide which box I'm going to open. And what and whatever's in that box, well, that is what you get if you're in that. So listen, you got some time to do it. You got until the end of the show. And if you haven't done it, you've got another 19 days from tomorrow. But that's what we're going to be doing to make people's Christmas uh, 
wishes. I was going to do it another way. I was going to say, hey, if you've got a Christmas wish, put your Christmas wish in. But that becomes complicated. So let's do it. Let's have some fun. You guys are going to vote. I'm going to just be the, 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 the servant. I'm just going to open the box and tell you what you've won. Cool. Listen, we've got a lot to discuss. One of the things that I want to discuss this show is this interview that was done with SBF. To do everything. Yes, I- yes or no. Do you, do you believe you deserve to be punished? I think about it in terms of having a duty to do what's right and, and a duty to do everything do that I can that make up for. Who, do, you deserve, do, you, do you believe that anyone who has hurt someone should be punished? Like, just like ethically, morally, like, forget about the whole SBF, FTX thing. Like, yeah. do you think an individual who hurts someone deserves in some form, not legally, not, you know, morally, do you think they deserve to be punished? I think my honest answer to it is the thing I feel strongly is that they deserve to have a duty to make it right, no matter what it costs them as best they can. Like that is the answer that feels real to me. So Frank Chaparro did an interview with SBF and let me tell you, unlike what that Mario Twitter spaces or the Andrew Ross Sorkin, Frank wasn't taking prisoners and he was a crypto native guy and he asked all the right questions. So we're going to spend some time talking about that interview. So I've got a massive update for you on SBF. Um, and yeah, generally we've got a massive show. So listen, what I need you guys to do is first of all, do me a huge favor, smash that like obliterate that like button, subscribe to our channel. If you're not already part of the fan, because everyone at banter gets a Christmas bonus. If we get to over 600 subscribe, 600,000 subscribers by Christmas. So we need you to help people like Jimmy and Carl <laughs> and uh, Blockchain Man. So we <laughs> need you guys to their Christmas bonus depends on you guys smashing that subscribe button. Oh, uh, uh, Jane, I just said you only get a Christmas bonus if Wait, you... Christmas bonuses? Only if there's 600,000 subscribers by the end of by the end of the year. What's the bonus? It's huge. It's huge. What's huge? It's big. Carnival in Brazil. Everyone comes to Brazil for a carnival. No, no, it's going to be financial. James doesn't want to come to Brazil for the carnival. He just wants cash. You know how James James operates. So listen, you do what you need to do. I'm going to do what I need to do. I promised you the highest alpha show on the internet. I'm going to deliver the highest alpha show on the internet. At the end of the day, you're going to tell me whether this has been the, the highest offer show on the internet. In the meantime, well, what are you laughing at? At least James is dressed now. James, why were you not dressed on Kyle's show? Free the nipple. Free the nipple, goodness great. I'm so glad I didn't watch your show today, Kyle. <laughs> although, uh, although I must say, I heard it was a, a killer show. I heard it was an amazing show. You had one of your biggest audiences today. Amazing. No, listen, the man is on fire. If you're not watching Carl's shows, watch Carl's shows. Trust me, trust me, trust me. Anyway, listen, I'm going I'm going on for too long. Let's quickly look at the pump. And let's, let's just say that it looks a lot better out there. So we have Bitcoin. It was as high as 17,419. It's still down at 17,200, but there is progress. One of the other tokens we're going to be talking about is GMX. That one is near recent highs, $55. Another one of the tokens we're going to talk about on the show is Doge, 
which is now back at 10.4 after shooting up to 11.2 cents on the news that Elon may be adding some altcoins onto Twitter. We're going to talk about that. Then you have Solana, which was over 14 bucks, now back at 13.86. Then you have Uniswap, which is trading at $6.26. And this might be one of the buys of the century. And then if you take that on the background of what's going on in the macro environment, you've got the NASDAQ slightly, slightly, slightly down. And now the question is whether this pump is going to continue. And in order to understand whether this pump is going to continue, what you got to do is you've got to look at the fundamentals and look at the big picture. So let's look at what the big picture is and let's look at what the fundamentals are. So let's look at, we'll start off with the macro. I think that's a, always a very good place to, to um, be starting. And even though it's been a brutal year, I mean, it has been. It's been one of the most brutal years ever. In fact, if you look at the 60-40 portfolio split, this has been the worst year in the last 100 years. So this, is not, this hasn't been like a, a bear market for, for babies or like a small bear market. For the last 100 years, we have never seen a drawdown worse than this for a portfolio that's carrying 60% stocks and 40% bonds, which is, by the way, how a lot of fund managers uh, manage their portfolios. So that's the first thing that that we need to look at. We've got a big week, a week and a bit. So the, there's a lot of data coming out this week, which we should talk about. First piece of data is the PPI. Not the most important reading. I'll, I'll give it that much. Comes out on December 9th. So that's in four days, you're getting the PPI. That just gives you an idea or a taste of inflation. And then after that, you got the CPI. Now the CPI you know that that's inflation and that's, it's not the reading of inflation that the Fed uses, but it is one of the most important readings. And you can see that that comes out on the 13th of Feb, which is in like eight days. Then straight after that, the next day, in fact, it's, it's the very next day, you've got the FOMC meeting. That's where Powell and his chummies, and they can't say chummies because that's a South African word. It's Powell and his, his, his sidekicks all meet for the FOMC meeting and then they decide whether they should rate, raise interest rates, whether you should raise it by 50 basis points, 75 basis points, or maybe not even raise it at all. And right now, as it stands, as it stands, these are the probabilities. Looks like there's an 80% chance that the Fed is actually going to slow down the pace of interest rate increases. See, someone see, see Shane Clayton, he knows Chomis because he must be South African. It's a South African slang for, for, for what they call friends. Cronies, exactly. Cronies is the right word. So Powell and his cronies are going to decide the future of interest rates. And remember that when Powell spoke last week, he said, maybe now is the time, maybe, maybe, maybe now is the time to actually start slowing down on the interest rate hikes. Okay, so, so we are hopeful that he starts slowing down on the interest rate hikes. And if he does start slowing down on the interest rate hikes, that could signal a turnaround in what has been the worst year in the last hundred years. That could signal the end of a turnaround. Now, the reason why this year has been so bad is because of a mix of, because of inflation. And inflation is a mix between printing too much money and supply chain um, constraints, which are mainly caused in China. And they've been caused in China because of the zero COVID policy that the Chinese had. So the Chinese have a zero COVID policy and they say, okay, because we have a zero COVID policy, all workers must remain at home. All factories must be closed. Anyone that works at the port, at factories, needs to stay at home. And therefore, they're not sending goods out 
And that means the goods that are being sent out are much more expensive. But there's good news on that front too. So on that front, we hear that China may be downgrading to a category B as early as January 23 from where they are now, which is the highest alert. Um, and, and, I mean, everyone's starting, to, everyone's starting to talk about this. Everyone's starting to talk about this China narrative of reducing their COVID lockdowns and stuff like that, which again, should relieve all the supply pressures. And if they relieve all the supply pressures, more goods come out, price of goods goes down, price of goods goes down, in, inflation goes even further down. And that kind of like hints at maybe, 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 we've seen the worst of this bad time. Maybe the market's starting to turn from, from a bad narrative, from all the, the pain that we've had this year. And maybe, maybe, maybe we're getting this soft-ish landing that Powell was talking about. No guarantees, but that is what the data is showing us. And listen, it hasn't come without hard work um, from the Chinese people who protested like crazy. I mean, I don't know if you, you saw the images. Uh, <laughs> The people are shouting. That's why it's loud. The, the people are shouting. Also, I don't know if you saw this. This was very, very, very scary. And if you've ever wondered what the implications are of a central bank digital currency, it is the fact that central banks can control what you can and can't do by controlling how you can and how you can't spend your money. And in China, we saw this. So this is these are images. So what these guys are showing is they are showing this is, uh, this is allegedly because you never know what comes out of China. It says, this is Chinese people showing digital passports and on their digital passport, their QR code changed to yellow, which will stop them from leaving where they are. If you've got a passport, which is yellow, you can't leave where you are. You're unable to travel home on the train. And so that's what's happening. But apparently, as I said, all of this is starting to, to, to tone itself down and maybe things are starting to get more positive. And I'll show you one or two other things. The first thing is, um, you know, Michael Barry, the guy from the big short, he tweeted on the weekend and he said, I am not short. I don't think he meant his height. I'm not, yeah, I'm not meant, I don't think he meant his height, but he deleted that tweet. He deleted that tweet. Also, I heard this thing from Bank of America today. And it's worthless. I mean, I generally don't like to listen to people from Bank of America on CNBC, but it does show what the mainstream sentiment is on CNBC from the Bank of America. And that is, I mean, listen, you tell Let's me. Let's talk about the markets and Let's. your view on this. Um, you're positive at this point, at least longer term. And that's a little counter to what we hear from a lot of people. So, you know, it's interesting because I think that this past year has been brutal but we've seen a lot of really good things happen. So first of all, everybody is talking about what could go wrong, which is actually bullish for the market. So, you know, the, I think the key reason to be optimistic is that we're all talking about this bad stuff that's gonna happen. The Fed is tightening, inflation is out of control. You know, China is a big question mark. We've got quantitative tightening. It's all out there. At the beginning of this year, Nobody was talking about what could go wrong. We didn't even know we were going to be in a war. I mean, there's a lot that has been, been digested by the market at this point. And I think that's probably one of the, the biggest reasons to be bullish. I mean, having said So what you're saying is, listen, everyone's talking about bad, bad, bad. And remember, in the bull market, everyone was talking about how good things are. And so usually when CNBC says that, that probably means it's time to buy. 
there is one other indicator that I would wait for before I put all my money in and my wife's money and my car money and my house money. And that is if Jim Cramer tweets and he says, the market is not about to go up. Then you know you go all in. And it's, it's simple. You know you take everything and you put your money in. That's the last indicator that we're waiting for. That's true, right? You know that. You, you, you know that. All right. So look, it has been a terrible year. It could be that it could be that the, that this terribleness is it the right is that the right word? It could be the right word. Yeah, it could be that that this this has been the, this terribleness of this year has been the, one of the worst ever for for the markets or for the markets in the last hundred years. If I look at Bitcoin, and again, it's worth talking about this. This could land up being one of the one of the worst years for Bitcoin in the history of Bitcoin, maybe even the worst year that Bitcoin has ever seen. So you take the Bitcoin returns from 2010 to 2022, and you can see that right now, as it stands, it is the second worst year that Bitcoin has ever seen. It's not the worst year. It's the second worst year that Bitcoin has ever seen. And the question is how we will pull up in the last in the next 25 days. It could go, we could stay where we are, we could go down to be the worst year that Bitcoin has ever seen since the launch of Bitcoin. And it has. It's been it's been a terrible, terrible, terrible year. Um, or maybe we'll have some kind of miracle and we'll actually get into I, I doubt we'll get into positive, but we may pull up. So let's see where where this year uh ends off. I do want to point out a couple of things. If you look at Bitcoin's drawdowns in since Bitcoin started, what you'll realize is, and it makes perfect sense, when an asset is new, an asset is illiquid. And when an asset is illiquid, there is much more volatility. And what you can see is that the first bear market, the market went down 93.6%. Next bear market, it went down 85.2% because there were more holders. Next bear market, it went down 83.7% because there were more holders. Then it went down 75.5%. And now we are pretty much the same as that level over there. And it makes sense that the more an asset is adopted, the, the less volatile it's going to be because there's going to be the more buyers and the more sellers. And that to me shows that logically, fundamentally, on the data, probably we are somewhere near the bottom, a bottom, etc. The other thing which I wanted to show you was a very interesting chart. This is the number of active... Bitcoin addresses in, um, in, in bear markets, okay? So this is the number of active Bitcoin addresses. You see it goes up and down. In the crash, uh, in the last crash, it went down to about 400,000 addresses. But I want to show you something here. Look at Ethereum. Look at the number of active addresses on Ethereum. So obviously in the bull markets, the number of active addresses spikes. But what you're looking for is you're looking for the tops to be higher and you're looking for the bottoms to be lower because that shows real adoption and real stickiness inside an asset. And if you look at the end of the 2020 bear market, what you can see is that there were about 100 and let's go down to the bottom here, 169,000 active addresses. And that was kind of the bottom. And you can see in the previous bear markets, obviously it was much lower. What you can see is that even at the bottom of this bear market, you can see that we've got 456,000 addresses, right? 378,000 addresses which are, which are active. What that shows you is 
that what we're getting is we're getting much more adoption. So even though there's a lot of noise on price, even though there's a ton of noise on price and we've had all these liquidations, ultimately you've got crypto and Bitcoin and Ethereum and a whole lot of other tokens, which I'll show you now, gaining traction. And even in the worst time, they have double and triple the users that they had in the last bottom of the last bear market, which means that there's a lot of, there's a lot of noise and there's a lot of, and we have a, a tough year, but the technology is being adopted and it's being adopted in such a way that even at the worst of a bear market, we still have two and a half times the number of users that we had in the last market. And that's because the technology is starting to become much more adopted. So I'll give you some examples of adoption. Um, Reddit has created 1 million new NFT holders. Let me actually make this big. Hold on a second. So Reddit has added another 1 million new NFT holders. This is obviously on the Polygon chain. So that just shows you real adoption. You can see, let me show you a few others. You can see that stable coins are growing in adoption. They're finding a, a, a use case. And even though in the old days, nobody used stable coins, what you can see is that now, even in the worst of the bear market, people are starting to replace dollars with stable coins because it's just much easier to transfer dollars than it is to transfer stable coins. So even though there's a lot of noise, what I'm trying to show you is that the technology continues to be used. In fact, let's look, let's look at some Bitcoin charts, okay? So look at the number of active addresses on Bitcoin as I, as I showed you. Look at the number of active addresses. Look how it keeps growing even though we're in a bear market. Look at another chart on Bitcoin. Um, so the issuance keeps dropping. Obviously, it keeps dropping after the halvings, which is fundamentally the same. Look at the hash rate. The hash rate keeps increasing. So there is price noise, but under all of this, there are fundamentals that are growing. And you can see it if you look here. In 2018, 2019, there were 781 NFT traders. Okay? Today, here, let's look at a month. Today, 321,000 NFT traders. That means there's a 500x growth in NFTs. Now, that's not going away. At the peak of the bull market, we had over 550,000 users of this new technology. Like, you can see that there is price action, but the price action doesn't deter from the underlying fundamental technology. And the reason why I think that is so important is that because the best, the best, um, investors in the world know how to separate the noise from the actual fundamentals. And while everyone's making noise and being scared, the best investors look under the hood and they start seeing the fundamentals and they buy into the fundamentals. And when they buy into the fundamentals, when the market turns, obviously those are the things that turn first. Give you some more examples just so you can see. So this is for me one of the most exciting charts in crypto. And I'll tell you why I think this is one of the most exciting charts in crypto. I don't think that centralized exchanges count as being part of the decentralized blockchain ecosystem. They're a great gateway. They're an amazing gateway to get people from the centralized world to decentralized world. But if you ask me, KuCoin, Binance, Bybit, they are not crypto companies. They are financial services companies, centralized financial service companies, that are bringing people into the decentralized world. But then you see this chart over here. And it was tweeted by Hayden Adams, who's the founder of Uniswap. 
But what he shows now is that Uniswap, which is a decentralized exchange, is now the second biggest exchange in the world in terms of volume. So to give an idea, in the lot, even though there's a lot of noise, even though there's a lot of noise, the decentralized part of the industry, the only part that actually matters, is growing and it's growing fast. And that's why earlier on today, when I showed you this chart, I said, hold on, maybe at a $6 billion market cap, this could be one of the most exciting things to get into because they've just launched NFTs. They have volumes which are second higher than Coinbase, which by the way, has a much, much, much bigger market cap. In fact, let's look at Coinbase's market cap. By the way, I think Coinbase is also cheap, but let's look at Coinbase's market cap. Uh, okay, so Coinbase market cap is 10.75 billion. Uniswap is doing more volume than Coinbase has a market cap of $6 billion and it's just starting to grow. Okay, so that's, again, the positives that I see. The next thing that we need to look at is the, the actual money, the fees being generated by internet-related protocols. Ethereum is doing on average $2 million in revenue per day. You understand that that's $750 million of profit a year and Ethereum is just growing. And then you've got Uniswap generating a million dollars worth of revenue every single day. I think a Binance Smart Chain and then you get GMX, which is doing on average $500,000 a day and growing aggressively. So what I'm trying to show you is, yes, it's been a hard year. At some point, this year has to turn. There's no doubt about it. This, this year has to turn. When this year turns, the tokens that are going to turn are the tokens that have the right fundamentals and are actually generating money and actually have usage. And I'm just showing you some of them that may be, that may be doing it. I'll give you another example, one that like no one's looking at, but that you should be looking at. And it is one that's in my portfolio, Kyberswap. Kyberswap, the price has been going down and down and down, but it's all-time high in, in terms of weekly volume this week. And they have layer two adoption with significant volume coming from Arbitrum, Optimism, and Polygon. So here's one which is like hardly being used, hardly being uh, talk, talked about. But again, look at the fundamentals. Just, just look at the fundamentals. Full disclosure, I have this in my portfolio. So I'm not intending to sell it anytime soon. Other crypto companies that are making money. Circle today publishes that they are making $274 million in revenue with $43 million in net income. If Circle is doing $274 million in revenue in a low interest rate environment, what do you think USDT Tether is doing in a high interest rate environment? $3 billion, $4 billion, $5 billion. So what am I trying to show you? What am I trying to show you? There is a lot of noise. There will continue to be a lot of noise. But if you can be the master of taking out that noise, if you can be the master of taking out that noise, and you can be trading the fundamentals, when the market turns, you're almost guaranteed to make money. So look at the fundamentals. That's, that's pretty much what I wanted to get to. Okay, let's talk a little bit about FTX because there's a lot of stuff that happened on FTX. And I don't want to spend too much time on FTX, but this weekend, a lot of times happened. A lot of things happened on FTX. Tons and tons of things happened on FTX. First thing is that I saw, and I, I mean, I can't verify this because I wasn't there, 
I just saw this picture over here and I have to show it to you. So this is a picture in New York, allegedly in New York of Caroline at a coffee shop or bakery in New York. That means that there is a good chance that Caroline is actually in New York, believe it or not. Now, this weekend, Frank Chaparro interviewed um, SBF. And I think it was one of the best interviews that was done. There were a, a whole lot of good parts. I'll play you one or two of the good parts. I don't want to spend too much time on it. But like for one, he asks uh, SBF what SBF is doing in the Bahamas. Why aren't you coming home? Why aren't you coming home to be around your family and friends? Here. So can you leave the Bahamas? Like, why do you want to stay there? Like, why wouldn't, like, I feel like if I was in like a crisis like this, I'd want to be in my hometown or something. I'd like escape to New Jersey or something. Um, I mean, I think a lot of people would, <laughs> I guess, um, from my perspective, um, it's not about looking to, to go home or something like that. Um, uh, or, or looking to, you know, be in, uh, in sort of a, 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 you know, escape hatch or, or something like that. Can yeah, you no, it's, can you, can you leave? I, yeah, I, I presume I could, but I, you know, this is where I've been running FTX from for the last year. And yeah, but it's this all is over. Where, there's no, there, you're, you're not involved. So you could, you know, out of your own volition, if you could leave, why, why not leave? That's like, isn't there a form of like a shadow that kind of hangs over you there? Oh, absolutely there is. But uh but there still are there's still things that need to get done. Um, you know, there's still a lot of global teams, you know, a lot of global regulators, administrators, uh, who are, you know, working on and with FTX and the global teams there. And I want to be helpful as much as I can uh, to them to the extent that I'm asked. Listen and listen okay, to uh, I, so just before we really get into it, this is one of the Probably one of the most um, uncontroversial topics, but one of the most confusing for me. Um, yep. If, like, when you say, just to set like a foundation to inform the conversation, that you want to help with stuff, and John Ray and team say that they don't communicate with you, that you're not involved, what is it like? What does helping mean? Like, what is that? Like, that doesn't make any sense. It's a good question. Um, and it's true that John Ray and his team do not communicate with me. They have not responded, and he has not responded to a single message I, I've sent him. Uh, he has never talked with me, and you know his team does not, uh, in general, I uh, work with me or I uh, or I uh, you know care about what I have to say. Um, but his team isn't the only team that's working on FTX right now. So basically, Frank Chaparro puts him in a corner. And what you realize, if you watch the rest of that, is like, he's there, he's not helping anyone. He claims to be helping, but no one's actually even speaking to him. The next part, which I think is really, really, was really worth listening to, is this part over here. Listen to this. Woeful mismanagement versus criminal activity. So in, I guess, a few sentences, I just want to get to that point. Do you think someone or the entity of Alameda itself did anything illegal? So the first thing that I'll say is I don't see myself as trying to paint a particular picture. I mean, it's 
just a question of, you know, trying to, as best I can, recall what happened and give, you know, a description of that. Um, but I, I, but it is true that I have not been very involved in Alameda for a while. Um, that I, you know, both because I had a full-time job with FTX that did not leave me time uh, to, you know, run Alameda. And also that because of concerns about a conflict of interest, um, I was very intentionally not um, uh, not very involved um, in, you know, in Alameda didn't want to be. Um, but, you know, to, to, to answer your question, I guess, um, I don't know exactly who knew what when. I don't. I don't. I don't want to put words in other people's mouths, and I don't. Well, the um, words that the words that Caroline used right was that um, FTX uh, extended quite a bit of credit to Alameda yep. Research. He said that. Um, you so he carries on. I'm not going to play the whole interview because we are a little bit out of time. But go and check it out. It's uh, it's called the, it's on the Blocks website. It's called the Scoop with Frank Chaparro. Um, really, one of the best interviews done with uh, Sam Bankman-Fried. There was another interview with CoffeeZilla that Coffee jumped onto a spaces and started to grill SBF, and that's also worth listening to. One of the other things that happened on the weekend was Chamat Paliapetia. He jumped Now you look at SBF, talking, it's the exact... Um, he started talking about SBF, and he summarized SBF, and I think this is also like worth listening to. Now you look at SBF, it's the exact opposite. He went to the perfect elite private high school. Then he went to one of the most prestigious elite private universities. MIT. His parents teach governance of all things at one of the most elite liberal institutions in America. Stanford. They are in the establishment of the progressive left. And what happened was he took customer funds and all of this money. He made tens of millions of dollars of political donations. He wrapped himself in this blanket of a progressive left-leaning cause called effective altruism. And all of the mainstream media fell for it and embraced him, as well as some politicians, because it met everything that they themselves also bought into. Yes. And now you have this cataclysmic event, a multi-decabillion dollar fraud or bankruptcy, millions of customer accounts who are frozen, you know, tens of millions to hundreds of millions to billions of dollars lost and stolen from them. And they refuse to re-underwrite this kid. And the reason is because in order to do so, it's like eating your own tail. And that's why they don't want to do it. And so this is why you have the media basically allowing him to do an apology tour. Now, this is his second time at manipulating them. The first time he was able to manipulate them by basically being one of them. And now he's allowing them and their desire to basically protect themselves so that he can create some kind of a defense for himself. And I just think the whole thing is gross because it misses the entire mood of the nation. This is an enormous financial fraud that was perpetrated on tens of millions of people. And there's no accountability because in order to do so, the media would effectively have to admit that they missed it and they got it wrong. And they refuse to do it. And I think that that is the really big problem that nobody is really speaking out about is like, well, if these folks are meant to be the last stop to make sure that there's truth and honesty and transparency in society, and you can't count on them, 
And in fact, they're just going to reflect their own narrative. What is one supposed to do to learn the truth? So he's having, having a dig at the mainstream media and a dig at SBF saying, someone said my camera looks shocking. I think it looks fine. If there's a problem, if there's a, yeah, if wipe your screen or just tell me it in the comments. Um, I promise you that in the next couple of days, we'll stop talking about SBF because I kind of think that it's not news anymore. But for today, a couple of points that we should look at. The first thing is um, that Maxine Waters, who is from the, from the, the, the US uh, House, she says, SBF, we appreciate that you've been candid in your discussions about what happened in FTX. Your willingness to talk to the public will help the company's customers, investors, and others. To that end, we would welcome your participation in our hearing on the 13th. Almost like, like comparing, um, uh, uh, um, inviting him. So he says, look, I will come, but only once I finish learning and reviewing what happened, I, I feel it, was, it is my duty to appear and explain. But I'm not sure that that's going to be by the 13th. So how do you translate that into English? I'll tell you how you translate that into English. The translation is very simple. He is saying to her, I don't mind lying on CNBC interviews. I don't mind lying on Frank Chaparro's interview. I don't mind lying on Twitter spaces. But I have a fundamental issue. Um, I have a fundamental issue lying in front of Congress because I know then I'm going to get I'm going to get really sued. And so that is fundamentally what what's going on there. Just a couple of other things about this stupid case, and then we're going to move on. One, if you go to the FTX.com website, sadly, it's now become a claims website. So you, there's no more FTX exchange. Like it's a claims website. You go there and it's like a fucking claims website. Um, we're also starting to see the extent of the damage. So what we can see is these are the investments that companies made. These are those that are, have an inability to draw. So you can see like all the, all the, 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 the collateral damage that was caused by FTX um, uh, coming out. Anyway, I don't want to talk about FTX anymore. I, I think for a long time, we're not going to talk about FTX unless something really, really big happens. We say bye-bye FTX. We are going to move away from FTX. What we are going to talk about is we're going to talk about Twitter. We're going to talk about Twitter integrating altcoins. And we're going to look at which altcoins potentially Twitter could be integrating because that's the big story. Why don't you guys do it again? Just if you're here, smash that like button. Let's get the numbers up and let's get into the scoop and how we know what the scoop is. And the scoop in this case is we heard some leaks last year that, in fact, you know, do me a favor. If you don't want to hear about FTX anymore, then smash the likes. If you do, tell me in the comments. So if you don't want to hear smash like, 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 if you do want to hear about FTX daily, then just tell me in the comments, let's hear, let's hear, let's hear. Okay, so that's what I want you guys to do. Um, all right, so listen, last week we had scoop that Elon Musk was adding altcoins to Twitter. We thought it was just noise. So we decided not to report on it because we didn't have real real news that Elon was adding more altcoins to, to Twitter. But then today, we had a, a tweet by this account called Jane Wanchung Wong. And she leaked GitHub screenshots of a Twitter coin icon and she alluded to the fact that Twitter was now adding altcoins. And if you keep following the story, well, the first thing she did was, unfortunately, straight after that, she deleted her account. And so then I went to try and find her on LinkedIn, and she deleted her account on LinkedIn. 
Okay, but by this time, the news had spread like crazy. Um, it was reported to by DB10, which is our, a good news source. And when he did that, what we saw is we saw Doge going to the moon. Because what people thought is that if Elon is adding payments, one of the payments is going to be Doge. And so Doge went from like 10.3 cents all the way up to 11.2 cents. So that could be it. It could be a Twitter coin. One of the things that, that, that people have spoken about is a Twitter coin, but I highly, highly, highly doubt it that he's launching a Twitter coin. I, I don't think that's the case. And I mean, yeah, here's some more screens that you can see. So monetization, subscriptions, tips, and you can see coins. And what it says here is like, it talks about ultimate coins. It doesn't talk about one coin. It, it gives you an idea that there's going to be multiple coins that you can pay with and tip on Twitter. Now, if there are multiple coins, the one thing we do know is how much Elon loves Doge. And so possibly Doge is going to be one of the ones that's added. We also know that before Elon bought Twitter, we had Jack Dorsey running Twitter. And when Jack Dorsey was running Twitter, Jack was a massive Bitcoin maximalist and he believed very much in Bitcoin Lightning Network. And so what Jack integrated was he integrated the Bitcoin Lightning Network. But I mean, as early word time, it says another hit to Bitcoin maxis as the lightning tipping feature is about to be phased out and replaced with Twitter coins tips. Now, again, that could mean Twitter coin. It could mean a combination of old coins. But we can see that Twitter is moving away from the old Bitcoin maximalist type mentality and now opening themselves up to, 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 to other coins. And we think that one of those coins is going to be Dogecoins, Do Dogecoin. Now, again, there's no guarantee. That could be a Twitter coin, although I doubt that Elon Musk would open his or start his own coin. But hey, it's possible. So I think you've got to have some skin in the game. That's why I said, I think you can't ignore Doge. It's not the best technology. I've put Doge in my portfolio. The reason why I put Doge in my portfolio is just because I can't be caught not having exposure to Dogecoin when I kind of know that Twitter is going to be launching um, coins. And I think it'd also be embarrassing for Elon after supporting Doge for so long. And then at the last minute, when it comes time to integrate it, saying a lot of coins accepted, but it's not Dogecoin. So make sure that you have some exposure to Dogecoin. This is not financial advice, but it kind of is, but it isn't. I'm not allowed to say financial advice because there's laws, but kind of is. I bought Doge. I bought Doge this morning. Carl knows. I was, he was on the call. I bought Doge. Um, that's what I said. I did. I bought more Doge. You wouldn't fork Doge either. You wouldn't do it because that's 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 cheating. Also, he was he was on Mario's Twitter Spaces and he was asked about payments and he didn't go into specific coins, but he said it's coming. So you know it's coming. Now you know what needs to happen, right? Cool. Let's go on to the next story, and that is a warning, which I gave BitBoy a couple of weeks ago. Do you remember this show over here? Do you remember that I did a show and in this show, where, where my camera was very nice, actually, I'd actually look nice there. I have a lot of these because it's just, it, it photographs well to, to Bahamas. But we said we'd only go if we can get exclusive. Or and if I, get I warned BitBoy at the time. He seems to have gone just to check it out and just to see what happened. And this is the part that's worrying me. So, you know how I feel about Ben. I think he's a great guy. Um, I think him and I have had long discussions. He's been on the show a few times. I think he's a great guy. I think he's made some mistakes in the past. 
And I think he's cleaned up well. And I think in this specific downfall of FTX, he's come out as a champion for the people. He's come out really as a champion for the people. He's, he's fighting to get a bill passed, which is the antithesis or the opposite of the SBF bill. He has, he has, he was the first one to, one of the first, first people to, to break the FTX news. Uh, him and I did a couple of interviews. I don't know if you remember, but we, we, we spoke about the fact that if SBF may go down, et cetera. The problem now is that I think that my friend Ben may be getting too addicted to the attention. And as a result of being addicted to the attention, I think that he's taking unnecessary risks. I think he thinks that he is invincible, uh, undefeatable. And I think that the problem with that is that I think he may take too many risks, either because he's getting overconfident or because he is addicted to the attention. And I'm just worried for Ben that it's not going to end well. So that was the warning that I gave. And I like, you know, as I say, Ben's a friend of mine. I don't want him to get into trouble. But now it's, we're starting to see that he's put a target on his back. And like the first thing is he now says, I got a letter from the sec.gov and I can't wait to, to talk about it. Everyone is laughing at you, Gary Gensler. As soon as the lawyer takes a look, we will talk. It's hilarious. Uh, Sam met Gary. Okay, so he's attacking Gary Gensler. It looks like now the SEC is coming after Ben. I haven't seen the letter or the contents, but it just doesn't. This is not a good look. And I mean, like, like this, is what, this is what worried me. Gary Gensler synonyms, scammer, fraud, future felon. Like, this is cool, but you don't do that to the head of the SEC when you live in the US and you know you've shilled unregistered securities. I mean, again, I do not respect the SEC. I do not respect Gary Gensler. I will not bow down to worship you. I mean, you can see what's going on here. He was attacking. He was taking too many chances. And so now it looks like the SEC are coming after him. Um, and again, I think he's great that he championed a lot of things for the industry and he brought down or was instrumental in bringing down FTX. But I said, you got to remain humble and you can't be doing this. And then, of course, Zach XPT got hold of him. And I think this is highly embarrassing. He used to do paid promotions and he said that he didn't do any more undisclosed promotions. And then someone or Zach XBT went and found more promotions that were paid for with a link to the payment. So highly, I mean, you know, you say you did something wrong, you fix up your actions. And then the problem is he got caught again. Now he said that actually this wasn't him. It was, uh, um, uh, his two co-hosts um, that 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 did it. But yeah, he said, Zach reached out to me this morning about this. We investigated this and it's true. I was shocked. But Justin and DZ made the mistake here. They were surprised. Also didn't realize that regardless, we're going to be giving the 15 grand away to three users tomorrow. And this is the part that I was worried about. I said to Ben, as I said to, I said to Ben on my show, I said, guys, you got to remain humble. And you don't want to put a target on your back. And you don't need to, to throw unnecessary punches. And I, I just don't think this is a good look. And I listened to you guys before. Ben's a friend. I, I see the good in people and I see the good in Ben. But I just, I don't like this. I don't like that he's attracting attention from the SEC for no reason. You want to take down Gary Gens, that's cool. Take him down. But don't take him down publicly on Twitter because that's fundamentally a mistake. And I really hope that, that, that this passes and that everything um, becomes okay. I, don't, I hope so.
Someone says buy more t-shirts. Okay, I did. Maybe I was wearing the same shirt. I have like three of the same shirt. But I'll uh, any t-shirt donations I'll accept because obviously times are tough. So any t-shirt donations I'll accept. Um, I don't want to talk about one or two other things very, very, very quickly. I had a whole lot to talk to you about to talk to you guys about. In fact, what we'll do is we'll do this tomorrow. So I went to all the hosts on Banter and all the researchers on Banter, and I said to them, "What five altcoins, no Bitcoin and Ethereum, would you be buying right now?" I said to you, you had to get you had to spend ten thousand dollars on altcoins before Christmas. What altcoins would you be buying? I've started putting together a list. This is everyone at Banter. And tomorrow, what we're going to do is we're going to add in a lot of the banter friends, people that come on the show, big guests, big names and stuff like that. And I'm going to then publish a list of the five coins, five altcoins that people are buying. And then what you can see is you can see what people think are the five altcoins. But just, I've done it in this format. I've also done it for you guys in this format. So you can see the different people that work at banter and how many of them are buying Soul versus Phantom versus Link. And tomorrow we'll actually publish that list. So it's going to be a big, big, big list. And then you guys can maybe take um, this list and, and use it as, as alpha to decide if you want to be buying what you want to be buying. Miles didn't add Phantom. Yeah, he did. Oh, no, he didn't. Let's see. What did Miles actually choose? Let's see. It's actually quite interesting. Miles said Soul, Unami, Curve, Dopex, and Filecoin. Interesting choices. I agree with him. I agree with him. Those are good calls. Tomorrow we'll do that. Tomorrow we'll do that. Um, the other thing which I want to show you is, remember we had the Bybit trading competition where 1,557 of you participated. So we're giving away the prizes now. These are the winners. You can see them on screen. Um, the winner got 902% return, which is unbelievable in, this, in that kind of market. He gets $10,000. This one gets $6,250. This guy gets $2,500. And the list is there. So just go to the link and you guys can see um, what the winners won. Same thing with BitGet. There are your winners on BitGet. They will get paid uh, or have already been paid into the accounts, have already been paid their prizes. Remember, you only win if you were a Banter fan member uh, when this happened. So don't forget that. All right. Now, lastly, what I want to do now is this. I just want to make sure I have the right list here. This is what I want to do now. Um, I hope I've got the right list here. It's today, the 5th of December. Here we go. Okay. So here is a list of all the Bybit clients that have over $250 in their account today, as it stands. You can carry on depositing as much as you want. This is going to happen every single day until Christmas. And my idea is to take the next 20 days and have make people's Christmas. Because I know we've all had a tough year. And I think what we can do is we can actually make a difference to someone's Christmas. So here's a list of all the accounts. Today, just for fun, I'm going to take account number 100. So here is the account. And highlight in red. Now, here's how it works. Every day, I put on the Christmas hat at this time. And we are going to select a box for account number 100 today. So you can choose box one, box two, or box three. What we're going to do is we're going to choose one of the boxes. And then you guys 
will basically make someone's Christmas. So for the next two minutes, I want you guys to select box one, two, or three. Remember, I don't know what's in the boxes. We're going to open all the boxes and we're going to decide which one. Well, we know which account wins. Um, no, I don't want a random number generator. I want you guys to choose box one, box two, and box three. Um, what I'm going to do while you guys are selecting a box is I'm going to look at the games uh, tonight and decide if I want to take a, uh, any bets on the games with our new, um, our new sponsor, which is um, sportsbet.io. So obviously the first game I'm going to take a bet on is this game over here. I'm going to take, choose Brazil for the win. I mean, obviously Brazil's going to win. There's no doubt about that. I'm going to put 100 bucks on Brazil. Um, and then I'm also going to add to the same bet that Spain wins. So I'm doing Spain and Brazil for the win together. Um, if I win, I only get... What is that? That's that crazy. Hold on, that's crazy. Why do I get 196? That's like not even... That's not a great odds. Let's remove that. Okay, so I'm going to go for Brazil. I'm going to go for Brazil um, to win that. Remember, if you want to place these bets, sportsbet.io, you can use your crypto. Don't have to use your credit card. So I'm hitting that. Brazil. I'm going for Brazil for the win. And I'm going here for Spain for the win. Okay, and I'll put 100 bucks on Spain for the win. And... Uh, obviously, oh, Portugal, Switzerland. You think so, Portugal? Okay, let's go Portugal in that game. Okay, let's put let's put Portugal for the win. You know, there could be a surprise. World Cups are places where there's usually a surprise. I'm going to place a hundred bucks bet on Portugal for the win. All right, let's talk about um, the, the boxes, Jimmy. Yeah. Who, who's the box? One, two, or three? Three. Three. Are you sure? Yeah, it's the most uh, chosen number. You sure? I'm sure. Jimmy, is, is that right? Yeah. Okay, now remember, I haven't seen anything in the boxes. Box three is the winner. So before we open box three, let's open box one and two and just see what the winner's got. Remember to come, you open a Bible account, put in anything above $250 and you qualify for this. Okay, so box number one has five dollars yes okay hold on let's get box number two and three okay this is box number three okay you see that actually no let's open box number two because he won he won box number three right okay so we have in box number thousand bucks. Okay, so we know that he didn't win five dollars and that he didn't win a thousand dollars. I don't know what he won. I don't know. I don't know what's in it. Could be five thousand, could be five dollars, could be one dollar. Let's have a look here. Okay, and in box number three, which I've just opened. He wins $2,500. Nice. So, okay, so we're going to do it every day now. So the winner could have won $5, but didn't win the $5. Could have won $1,000, didn't win $1,000. 
we opened box number three, which was this box over here, and he won $2,500. So we're going to do this every single day between now and Christmas. Every day between now and Christmas, we're going to open the three boxes, um, and whatever's inside the box, the winner uh, is going to keep. So if you want a very good Christmas, deposit, open a Bible account using our link, deposit $250 into the Bible account. We do this every day. You select the box just to make it fair because... I don't want to select the box and you'll say, oh, but you chose the box. You selecting the box, the winner every day for the next 20 days, we're going to make the banter fam's Christmas. And then on Christmas day, on Christmas day, I'm going to choose, no, because I don't want to do a show on Christmas day, but on Christmas Eve, I will do one account where I give away $10,000. Wow. That's huge. Okay. So one account gets $10,000. Otherwise, every day we're going to draw boxes. Now, look, the maximum that can be in a box is $50,000. Okay, so today, today the biggest prize was $2,500, and the guy won $2,500. But it can be anything up to $50,000 in the box. That I know. I know it's capped at $50,000, and it couldn't be as low as $1. And every day, you guys are going to select the member of the banter fam, and it's selected by user ID. So today's user ID, just check your account is 2716425. You go select, check your account. Tomorrow we do the same. We do this every single day. In fact, I'm going to do it on Sheldon's show as well. And I'm going to do it on Kyle's show as well. So Kyle, you're also going to do it. You mention it, three boxes every single day. And we're going to give away until... That means between now and Christmas, we are going to give away 60 yeah. prizes. Between me and Sheldon, we're going to do 60. But am I opening the boxes or am I just telling them you come on your show. no 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 you're gonna open boxes on your show oh, okay. and on Sheldon's show also so three times a day from now for three times every single day we are gonna give away whatever's in the box okay. and it can be up to fifty thousand dollars but it can be one dollar yeah see you guys again tomorrow until then do me a favor and go and put two hundred and fifty dollars into your Bible account so you can get on the list so we can make your Christmas. I'm actually going to be on uh, James's DCA uh, show tonight. So if you want to watch me again, uh, if you haven't seen enough of me today and you want to watch me again wearing the same T-shirt, I'll be on James's show tonight. I'll see you guys again tomorrow or later. Until then, put money into your Bible accounts and be here tomorrow because you're going to get three chances to win tomorrow. Trade well, my friends. Sure. What do you think?